Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross managing editor of FightfulWrestling.com. It's List and your boy, number 146. It is November 6th. That's right, 146. There you go, Sean. I mess it up every single week. Every single week. Every single week on, on that thing. The least edited thing, the least proofread thing on our website is my weekly post of this podcast. Every single week. Yep. I need to hire somebody for that. Hire somebody to, to edit me, Jimmy. I just heard some feedback. Is that no, something? no, it's okay. Sorry, okay. I just no, opened up. Good, the... Jimmy. Don't sell it. Send him a smoke signal or something. No, I like to be straight up and honest about it, Sean. That's how Man, I operate. You, you bring the show to a screeching halt. No, yeah, it's part of my charm. My you God, know? I want to say something before we get started. So, so this is for anybody new to this podcast, and it's for our longtime listeners. Uh, Sean Rossap, over the last couple of years, he's been uh, growing out his hair. Uh, And he's doing it for charity. And uh, him and I have been talking about, okay, what are we going to do when the time comes to cut your hair? And should we make it a grandiose thing or whatever? And one thing that we thought about was having Brutus the Barber Beefcake cut Sean's hair because that's logical for a pro wrestling podcast. So I, I let Sean know, Beefcake's into it. Oh, man. I, uh, I reached out to what him. What kind of into it do you mean? What am I getting myself into here? Uh, he's very accommodating and very, <laughs> very reasonable. And uh, and I reached out to him through his wife, Missy, who is a very kind, very lovely person. Uh, And uh, they are fully on board. They love the idea. They love it that you're doing it for charity, Sean. And they are fully on board. And they basically said uh, his November is busy. He's doing a lot of uh, conventions in November. Mm -hmm. They said his December is pretty open. And then Sean said, well, mania season, I might go to Tampa. And he's based in Florida, too. So. Mania, we'll have, mania could be we'll have Jeremy time. and Robert there as well. So, I mean, there will be other people there to kind of help with the the stuff. Did you do your uh, FightfulSelect.com Q&A today? God, yeah, I did. It's it's going to be up uh, Thursday. Did you, an, did, did you answer the question from Jimmy Van on uh, FightfulSelect.com? No, he doesn't pay us nearly enough. <laughs> oh, that's what happened? 
So <laughs> he doesn't give us enough to Fightful Select. Jimmy, he's Van... not even a subscriber. <laughs> Jimmy Van wanted to know if you want Beefcake to put you in the sleeper hold before he cuts your hair. So well, you know what? You guys can subscribe to FightfulSelect.com and get that answer. And immediately after this show, the list goes on. Uh, but right now, if you're watching live on YouTube, dot com slash fightful. Donate a super chat any amount. It'll get your question or statement read on the air. But this week, Thursday, 150 questions I answered in the Q&A. It's getting wild over there. I'm like sitting down for a good hour, hour and a half for some of these. Tim Traver said, just uh, want to bless you all. Got Fightful Select. I love it. Alex's podcast on their rules. Yeah, Alex has sour graps. So show us some love, guys. That's the most direct way to support us. And I told Jimmy off the air, I'm working, I'm trying to get a confirmation, and I got got a little bit of backstage news yep. that I'm going to talk well, about on the list goes on. We'll talk about that later on. Let's start with one of the big topics. This was a big week for news and a big week for Fightful and for Sean Rossap. Let's start by talking about the Saudi Arabia situation uh, with WWE. Now, before we get into the meeting and before we get into Seth Rollins and all of that, I want to start with the uh, flight delay. Uh, Sean Rossap, tell everybody the latest on what you heard because there was a lot of rumors. WWE, of course, is denying the rumors, mm -hmm. which they're going to do anyway because it's bad PR. Uh, I think where there's smoke, there's fire. That's my personal opinion. But uh, tell everybody the latest about the delay, why the delay occurred, you know, officially and unofficially and all that fun stuff. Well, officially, they say it was due to a mechanical issue. And even the people who operate the plane, the company took responsibility for that. I find it hard to believe that they would do that if they didn't have to. Because, I mean, if I, if I remember correctly, this this airline was in the news earlier this year for some, some faulty stuff, but uh, officially it was a mechanical issue. And the thing is like a lot of the people on the flight said a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Personally, I didn't have anybody with fear coming right. to me. I didn't have a lot of that. I had one person that was completely relaxed. Most of the fear that I got was from people close to those people and people who weren't there. That's where a lot of the fear came from. Right. Um, there was a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration, a lot of annoyance from people that were there. A lot of people pissed off. A lot of people like, why would they even schedule a show tomorrow? Right. Why Why would they do this? There was a lot of frustration there. Sure. Like uh, tons of it. But uh, as, as far as a lot of the things that are being thrown out there, I haven't heard anything that, that actually provides evidence that there was a quote-unquote hostage situation. Right. Now, uh, it was about a 24-hour delay. Did did everybody, like, stay on the plane or stay at the airport? Did, did they go back to the hotel? For the first I, – I, I don't – this is a, a vague number, but for the first, like, five, six hours, they were on the plane. And then they went back to the hotel after that? Some, some uh, went back to the hotel after that. Okay. There were a bunch that chartered out. There were, yeah. was Roman Reigns, Nakamura, Bobby Lashley, yeah. Bray Wyatt. New Day, I think Revival. Uh, a lot of people, especially that were planned to wrestle or be on the Friday show, and I don't know if they chartered themselves out. I don't know if somebody, if WWE did, but uh, yeah, the rest went to the hotel. And I mean, 
I've heard you could could do a lot worse than their accommodations there. But. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, Corey Graves on his podcast today, we're doing this on November 6th, Corey Graves talked about it, and he said one thing that I agreed with. So there were some talents, like Luke Harper as an example, who used to hashtag not top 20. Because one of the rumors going around was that that second charter, the one that took off with guys like Roman Reigns, there was speculation, oh, only top 20 guys got to take that charter. And Corey Graves on his podcast said, that's bullshit. The guys that took the charter were guys that they were hoping to get to SmackDown. So they were Smack- And Bobby Lashley. Oh, was Lashley on it too? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. From what I, from what I understand, at least according to some of the people there. Okay. Said, so it wasn't Bobby Roode, Bobby Lashley? I heard Lashley. I mean, okay. the person's – actually, I, I should check and make sure that the message says Lashley and not, quote-unquote, Bobby. So I'll, right. I'll make sure okay. and check okay. that right well, now. Well, anyway, that, that's what Corey Graves said, and to me that makes perfect sense because they wanted to try to get those guys to smack down. And so, of course, you're going to scramble and try to get the SmackDown guys up to SmackDown. I guess my first question is, so, you know, there's all these all the speculation that the Saudis owe WWE money for these shows – uh, and there's speculation that Vincent Mann had a disagreement with the Crown Prince or with somebody else from the Saudi General Entertainment Authority. Uh, the show was supposed to air live locally, and it was delayed. And again, there's speculation that it was delayed because Vince made the call to delay it because they owed money. And that, of course, then adds on all the speculation that the Saudis, out of spite, grounded the plane for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Um have you heard anything about any of that stuff? Because, again, WWE is denying all of it, but it seems, again, where there's smoke, there's fire with some of this stuff. Ah, uh, I mean... Nothing th- officially, was, right? Of course. There was the speculation, but I've been given nothing to provide that. By the way, it was Bobby, as, as I had put in there. I put Bobby, and then in the article I put wasn't sp- specified a certain name. But, um, yeah, I that's just not something I have any insight on, like... I've not had anybody officially say that, that that was there. Was it speculated among talent? Yeah, sure. Right. It was speculated among talent. Right. But a lot of stuff was speculated among talent. Yep. Now, uh, is it true that they wanted talent to tape videos confirming that it was mechanical failure? Is that true? I don't know if it was talent or if it was their social media people, but there were – they they were getting videos, yes. They were getting videos. Because obviously you understand what that looks like, right? Sure, I understand what it looks like, but I mean, they they could have decided right on the fly, hey, we're going to do a WWE Network gimmick on this at some point. That's possible, too. That's possible, too. Because obviously, it almost comes off like the Saudis told WWE, hey, we don't want bad PR, people thinking hostage situations, so we want your talent to back up this mechanical failure, you know, excuse. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Uh, but again, nothing official, so I guess what can you do? Now, um, I want to say this about this whole situation. So, Vince McMahon, I think, has taken a lot of heat unnecessarily. Talent, obviously, they were sitting for 24 hours. And you know what happened, Sean. Guys sit for 24 hours. They got nothing but time to think and nothing but time to talk and nothing but time to fester. So, of course, they're going to be pissed off. And they're going to look at it like, oh, Vince McMahon left us high and dry. Vince's plane was in the air before they were scheduled to take off. And so, in his defense, it's not like he bailed on them uh, and left them there. That being said, though... I think that Vince McMahon has to be smart the next time they go and he needs to either fly with the talent or or he needs to have his plane scheduled to leave at the same time as the talent's plane or after the talent's plane. I think he's got to be smart the next time because I think there's going to be a lot of guys that want to hold out. And so uh, 
he's got to be smart because he's got to realize a lot of guys are pissed off, you know? Yeah, it's – I don't know why you would think this was a good idea for morale if you're Vince McMahon. I, I'm confused as to why he needs his own to go over there. Apparently Maybe. he always does. Apparently yeah. every show. So I, I don't mind that too much because he does it every show. But yeah. uh, but the other thing that came up that I thought was such a bad look, and I understand why they did it. So a lot of talent didn't get home until Sunday. Yeah, uh, Guys like Ali, Mr. Connecting Flight into New York, didn't get home until Sunday, then had to turn around a few days later and go back on the road, and they're going to the U.K. for uh, for, for television tapings. So can you imagine... From from a, a a locker room morale perspective, right? These guys they're on the ground for twenty four hours. There's all these rumors about money owed, and you know the Saudis are keeping us here out of spite. All these rumors, and then what does WWE do on Monday, November fourth? They issue this press release about a uh, their, their Saudi partnership. Do you have that little press release, Nigel, that yep. I gave you about WWE Saudi partnership? This came out on Monday, November 4th. WWE and the Saudi General Entertainment Authority expand event partnership. Basically what they've agreed to do until 2027, which is when the deal was planned to go. Anyway, they're going to do two shows a year every year uh, because the old agreement, they were only supposed to do two shows a year for the first couple of years, and then it was going to go down to one a year for the rest of the deal. So now it's going to be two shows a year every year. I could not believe how tone-deaf Vince McMahon was with his timing of making this announcement the day after his talent was grounded in Saudi Arabia and pissed, and then they decided to make that announcement on the Monday. I understand why they did it. They did it because their quarterly financials came out last Thursday. Uh, They missed the mark in a lot of areas, and we're going to talk about that later on. Their stock dropped by over 15%. He wanted to come up with something to try to stop the bleeding, and that's what they came up with. Uh, Oh, it was such a tone-deaf, stupid, stupid thing to say. It was really dumb. It was so really dumb. dumb. They could have come up with a lot of other shit. You know what I mean? This was just so bad. It and was like, dumb. It was dumb. There's nothing more than tone deaf it was that, really I, that I can say about it. Like it yeah. was tone deaf. Yeah. And like I had wrestlers sending me like my own tweet saying, "No surprise." Like here's the thing: tone deaf. It didn't surprise people because I got that message from like two people that were like, "This isn't a surprise," but yeah. Ah, man, that's such a dumb... And that presser, unless I missed it, didn't say anything about financial terms, meaning that maybe they're just tossing in a second show as part of the original agreement. You know what I mean? Uh, I I just... It was hard for me to see a lot of positive spin out of that that press release. And again, that's the best they could think to come up with (laughs) to try to stop the bleeding under under the situation. It was unbelievable to me. I'll tell you why, because to the public... Vince McMahon rolled out his dick and it was bigger than the crown prince's. Right. Right. That's 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 what I see out of it to the layman, which is me. I'm yeah. like I'm like I take that as it's damage control after word that Vince McMahon was like, "Hey, give me my money, jobbers." Now again, and they're denying it. it. They're denying it. Right. That's what they're denying. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. That that's what the talent was all talking about. Yeah. Nonstop talent was talking about it i'll tell you what fightful uh youtube chat's talking about right now david says pleased to hear nigel's voice back on the podcast nigel is back <laughs> there you go nigel is back at least temporarily We're, we are going to get another uh producer because nigel yeah. ha- nigel has a lot of other stuff to do but uh well for the, for Anakin, the time being he's here. jmt talks about something that i know we're going to talk <laughs> about later but maybe we can talk about it now the meeting he says 
He says, what are your thoughts on the Meltzer-Rollins situation? Yes, that, so that's the next topic on my – so the list uh, of Jimmy Van, the next topic on my sheet was the meeting, and I put it in, in <laughs> capital letters, the meeting. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp, I want to give you props. I don't like to do this often because you're going to get a, a bigger ego and a bigger head <laughs> than you already have, but I want to give you props. You've done me proud. I, I tease Sean sometimes off the air, and you know I'm doing it in jest, Sean. Sometimes off the air I tell Sean, three years ago you were nothing when I met you. And I built you up into a star. I, I tease him about stuff like that. But, man, you did, a, you did solid work this week. <laughs> all right, all right. That reminds me of how you were in Vegas, or at least how I was. But you, uh, <laughs> you did solid work this week. And uh, Oh, please don't cut your hair because I want Beefcake to do that. Make yeah, sure you don't do that. Let's talk about the meeting and about the entire thing, Meltzer, Rollins, the whole thing. Sean, I'm going to turn the floor to you. Go ahead. So, oh, man. A lot to unpack, as Sean likes to say. There, there is, and I don't want this. I don't want people to take it as me like taking shots at Meltzer because that's not what I'm doing. No, uh, and, but... and I should add, and I should add, a lot of people do pick on Meltzer. It's easy to pick on him because he's he, he's kind of like the older statesman in wrestling journalism, and a lot of people think that he's very pro AEW. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I have a lot of respect for Dave Meltzer. Yeah, uh, he is a pioneer in wrestling journalism. I don't like to shit on him because I I do respect what he's done. I do, you know, I'm critical when you have to be critical, and I'll be like that about anybody. But I have a lot of respect for him, and people make mistakes, and uh, so I, yeah. I, I I don't. I've, I've made plenty of mistakes. Right. I, it's it happens, but right. The thing is, like, I don't like that are in this line of work are people that actively hurt what I'm trying to do. Ryan Satin, Dave Meltzer, John Pollock, Mike Johnson, I I I hope they do awesome. Like that's the thing. Like I there's room for everybody. Them doing good or bad is not affecting my salary. It has never affected it one bit. Uh we don't get paid per click. If somebody takes traffic from me, it doesn't affect me personally. It affects Fightful a little bit, but it pisses me off. Yeah, you've you've also made it clear that this ain't exactly your your number one money earner. But no, no, I've Dave lost Meltzer, I have I've lost money for three and a half years on Fightful. Shh. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a part of a sinking ship, Jimmy. Oh, Stop it's not sinking. Up. It's not sinking. We're doing all right. That's because my my huge head is is bringing it up to the surface, Jimmy. There you go. I'm I'm reaching down with my tall ass legs and arms and just lifting it up to the surface. Anyway. Dave Meltzer had reported that there was a talent meeting, and there were there were several elements of that that ended up being true. But it was said to have been a talent meeting where questions were fielded about the, the crown jewel situation. And a couple of the notes that were put out there that were true were that AJ Styles and Rusev spoke up. But a couple that weren't necessarily true was that Seth Rollins had given a rah-rah speech. And um, that Randy Orton had kind of made a joke during the the meeting. Now, I also heard this story. Like it, it got around and one talent said, "Is this true?" Mm. And I'm like, "Well, you're you're on the other brand, why don't you tell me?" Like that it was a little bit odd. So, I didn't report anything about that. I I mentioned the meeting and I knew there was a meeting, but none of the the details and Rollins wasn't happy with the reporting that came out. So, I hit him up and I was like, "Hey, shoot me a message, email, something cuz if you, if you don't try, but I don't have the guy's email address. So he got back to me and I said, hey, do you want to clarify it? Let's clarify it. And he gave me a quote and we clarified it. Now, this stemmed especially 
from another talent, a very well-respected talent who we won't name, but Jimmy, you saw who it was, that reached out to me that morning and said, listen, I don't usually do this, but people are going after Seth for no reason. He didn't say a peep. Mm. Then I had another person say, Randy didn't make a joke. Nobody made a joke. Randy didn't talk. Seth didn't talk. It was Carl Anderson, AJ Styles, and Rusev. And I wasn't given the context of what those three said either. I don't know if it was aggressive. I don't know if it was like what they asked. I don't know anything about that. But um, did Rusev yeah, just did Rusev just stand up and say Lana is the best Lana number one, and then he sat back down? I don't think so. Because I, I got to tell you, that would have popped me. That would have popped me if he had to done that. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, but yeah, that's that's what I've heard. I, uh, you know what? Props to Meltzer for uh, apologizing. Uh, and on Wrestling Observer, they credited Fightful for getting uh, Seth Rollins' statement. So props to them on that. What else can you really say? You know, there's, I mean, there's it, not there's not much. Yeah, there's not much there. Um, and the person that I talked to was like, there wasn't much to say during that. Like they they told us everything were rumors. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I tried to pry a little bit more, but well, I I do want to say one thing because uh, I as as an employer myself, I've experienced this before. Corey Graves and Seth Rollins are not exactly the two guys that you necessarily want coming out defending the meeting, defending the messaging, defending whatever, because those guys are on a certain level. You know what I mean? Uh, so I, I think it'd be much better if you had somebody maybe lower on the totem pole that would come out publicly, kind of give them props to it. I still think there's probably a morale issue, even though they're denying it. And I and again, I think WWE needs to be very careful how they navigate these waters. The next show is going to be sometime after WrestleMania, so probably sometime May June. Uh, so they have time before the next one. They got to be smart how they, how they navigate these waters. And if there's any truth to the rumor that they're owed money by the Saudi Arabian government. There is zero chance I would go back until they're paid up. There's zero chance. And I understand the situation. They've got shareholders to adhere to. I get it. And when you talk about top-line revenue, this is a big number to report, and it's a big number to not report. And I get it. But how bad does it look if you're reporting this top-end number, but then your cash flow is is, a lot lower than it should be because you haven't been paid? That's not a good look either. You're doing free work. Yeah, like if I'm them, and and look, I'm a business owner, and I deal with deadbeats. You know, not that I'm saying the Saudi Arabian government is deadbeats, <laughs> but <laughs> I I deal with with people that don't pay the They're bill. They're gonna beat us dead. Well, uh, well, anyway, I don't, don't I don't. Send me uh, over. I deal with people that don't pay the bill just like anybody else. Vince is in a unique situation. They provide a unique service, a unique entertainment traveling service. And if you're not paid, you shouldn't go because people got to understand not only are they out whatever, 40, 45 million a show, whatever it is. But if they haven't been paid, you are out the production costs. You're out the talent expense. You're out flight and trans. You're out everything that you're expecting to recoup out of that 40 to 45 mil. And so I just would not go again if they don't get paid. It's that simple. And like I said, if they do get paid and if they do go again, Vince has to be very smart how he does it the next time because there's going to be a lot of guys not wanting to go. And there were people on social media. I was kind of joking about I can't wait to see how long the list is of guys that don't want to go next time. And a lot of people responded to me and basically said money talks and they'll go. And that, that very likely could be the case. That doesn't mean morale is going to be high, even though they know a payday is coming. And so yeah. Vince has to be smart. Travel with the talent or book your flight accordingly. Do not screw off hours before they go in case something like this happens again. Rob Wilkins says, SRS, would you fly to KSA for a one-on-one interview with Vince? 
No, I wouldn't for any number of reasons. One, it's dangerous. Two, it's stupid. It would be if, and that would, it sounds like the type of hoop I would have to jump through to do that. I'd be like, no, I'll come to Stanford. Uh, Rob says, uh, safe travels to Charlotte based off last week's show. I just want to say Randy Orton is a genius. We will talk more about that. Anakin JMT says, I feel like TakeOver has less excitement because NXT is a part of Survivor Series. I I agree with that. We'll talk about the invasion in yep. quite a, in a bit. I got yep. That's on my list. I, I the next thing I want to talk about is Cain Velasquez. Okay. Uh, because at Crown Jewel there was a lot of negativity about the booking of the match at Crown Jewel, and yeah. I'm part of the minority that didn't have a big problem with it, pending the story that they tell. And obviously with WWE now and Vincent Man kind of losing his mind creatively, there's not a lot of confidence that they're going to tell the right story. But anybody that's not a UFC fan. Cain Velasquez, his last fight was, was a heavyweight fight against a guy named Francis Naganu. During that fight, when Cain took a big shot, uh, and he was kind of going down from the shot, plus he was kind of low crouching down to try to avoid another shot, he twisted his knee, uh, something popped, he yelled out in pain, he went down, and, uh, and the fight was over. Rumor has it that his knee's in bad shape. Uh, and that going into the match at Crown Jewel, they knew it was in bad shape. So what they did was they kind of did like a, almost like a fake MMA fight. That's kind of how it came off. And then in a couple of minutes, Kane took him down, brought up the Kimura. I was cool with it, especially knowing about the injury, because if you want to do the third fight now, all you do is say, okay, diverticulitis screwed Brock the first time, knee injury screwed Kane the second time. So now they're going into the rubber match, both theoretically healthy. I didn't have a big problem with it. But again, so long as they tell the right story, what did you think? I loved the, the way the match unfolded. I, I thought it did a lot of things. It furthered Ray and Brock. It got Ray over. It got Kane off TV while he gets whatever it is he needs fixed. It it put Brock over more. I don't think this needed the championship still. I, agree. I still don't think that. I agree. But a lot of people were like, oh, my gosh, this match was too short. Kane ain't good yet, guys. And he was hurt. Yeah, he's the thing is he's just not good yet. Just because right. you all saw him do a springboard arm drag, right? I, I don't think he's doing that to Brock Lesnar in their match. And not only that, but that was a tag team match where his partner did most of the work. Right? Yeah, I he was protected yeah, he, in those matches. He ain't doing a springboard arm drag to Brock and isn't doing it. In, he's just not good yet. Right. What they had Kane do is is tried and true. Accentuate the positives, hide the negatives. He threw some great-looking kicks. He had some good strikes. They moved into a double, or I think it was either double wrist lock or top wrist lock, uh, in a spot that made sense. It got over that move, too. Mm. And Brock now has a win over Kane that is quicker than Kane's, quote-unquote. You have one guy that tapped a guy out. You have one guy that knocked a guy out or TKO'd him. And you can run it back eventually. You yep. can tell that story. Now, WWE ain't the best at telling stories. Yeah. They're not the best at following up on stuff. But I love the way that it pulled uh, – the way that it uh, it went down. And if he needs surgery, all they got to do is let him have a surgery, let him rehab, have, have him train in the Performance Center, and just air video packages. I mean, this is one thing where I think AEW right now has got WWE beat – is when it comes to the video packages. All you have to do is show video packages of Kane training, coming back from his injury, talking about the second fight. Uh, you can even you know highlight his MMA career because a lot of people still don't know Kane Velasquez in wrestling circles. Highlight his MMA career, how dominant he was uh, at least at one time. You can definitely build for a third third match and then do the third match on a on a big stage. 
whether it be WrestleMania or wherever. It can absolutely be done. But yeah, again, it comes down to how they're going to do it. Now, now moving on to Brock, it made sense for him to move to Raw because Bray Wyatt now is Universal Champion and he's on SmackDown. So it made sense to take the WWE title to Raw. I wasn't crazy with the explanation, Sean. Uh, I like that Paul Heyman mentioned Alexa Bliss. I thought maybe they were going to do something where Brock was the future consideration, but then they threw in a sweetener since Brock is obviously a stronger uh, pick than Alexa and Nikki Cross. Aside from mentioning Alexa, Paul Heyman's explanation really was, ah, he's more important than Roman. He's more important than Seth Rollins. I didn't like it. I didn't like the I didn't, explanation. I didn't like it either. No. I like that he brought up the other stuff, but I don't know what it means. Like, did yeah. he— is Alexa and Nikki, uh, were they a part of the deal? I don't know. He, he like, didn't make it and... clear. He didn't make it clear. I didn't like it, but uh, I will say I'm loving Brock versus Ray so far. I'm yeah. loving it. This is the hottest that Ray's been in WWE since he came back. And uh, Brock traditionally is great with smaller guys. You know they're going to have a good match. And, yeah. uh, and I... it's been good. I like it. I said it a couple weeks ago. They could make it very, very simple, this trade. Alexa and Nikki, and then... You can you, you know how in like basketball they do sign and trades. Well, Raw can sign Naomi and the Usos, send them over to SmackDown. They can or do anything, can, uh, yeah, a sweetener, they're, they're anything. Easy, easy yeah. ways to do that because those yep. five talent for Brock, I could kind of understand. Yep. I could get it. You're, you're deepening like three divisions at once: women's tag, men's tag, women's division. Like I, I could see that. I agree. Um, but yeah, I love Brock versus Ray. I think that match is going to be awesome. I yeah. hope it gets some time. Ooh, I'm excited. I said it was no USADA Brock versus Stem Cell Ray. That's that's what I need. That's what I need. Yeah, I, it's been great so far. And, uh, you know, I love how they're having Ray equal the, uh, even the odds with the uh, weaponry and stuff. So uh, I've liked it. Uh, let's go from good to bad. Tyson Fury. That match sucked. You know something? Uh, some guys... You know, they what they do in their in their real job, it translates well to pro wrestling. Some guys don't. So you've got your Ronda Rouseys, you've got your Floyd Mayweathers, Lawrence Taylor. I thought did a great job with Bam Bam Bigelow. You have guy and Carl Malone is was phenomenal in WCW. You have certain guys that that translated well. Tyson Fury, with all due respect to him, he was green. He only had a little bit of time to train, and I get all of that. He was off. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not only running the ropes, the way he took bumps, he no-sold everything. He took the power slam at the end and got right up. Uh, terrible. And I, I think it would have been one thing if he had have acted like Tyson Fury, the heavyweight boxing champion, who's kind of like you know the boxer in the wrestling ring, but instead he tried to be Tyson Fury pro wrestler. And uh, it was horrendous. 
And so yeah. uh, he's going to be at the SmackDown taping uh, on Friday in the UK, which he makes sense. Yeah. yeah, which makes sense. I really hope that they don't decide to just kind of play that match back and do it again on SmackDown because he was horrendous, and I thought he made Braun look terrible. And again, it was green, and he was inexperienced, and, and I get all of that, but, oh, that was really, really bad. Really it was bad. bad. I think he could have used a really good producer or an agent, you know, like Arn Anderson, who Cena for years. Hmm. I interviewed Arn Anderson and talked to him about that. Take a listen. <laughs> so uh, one of the guys that you're you're kind of known for working with often, and it, it kind of been rumored. I don't know if it had ever been straight up confirmed, but John Cena almost. It was. It's been said that he that you produced. You know, quite frankly, most of his work in WWE is that true? And and what kind of a working rapport or relationship did you maintain with Cena? Well, yeah. I was I was responsible for mechanics and psychology and and basics and and just kind of guiding John of don't do this and here's why it was never don't do this do something different always tried to have a a very uh, understandable conversation with John I would never say John don't do this this is dumb don't do this and let me explain to you why. And he was very receptive. Uh, John is a good human being. He has, uh, he has got a good heart. Uh, the make a wish stuff that he does alone, not having children in my mind should get him a one way ticket to, to heaven because I've seen all the kids that he's changed their lives. And when you don't have kids, that speaks pretty pretty much for who the human being is. Um, but John would listen. John made a lot of mistakes in things that he wanted to try to do. It took a few years, just like it does for everybody, for John to get a basic knowledge of what makes sense and what doesn't make sense, and this is too much, and this isn't enough. And uh, we had a good relationship. Uh, once John started his move to Hollywood and all that stuff. I didn't see him nearly as regularly. And, you know, it's like a lot of friends you have in it with any job. You could live in the same town with your best friends. You don't pick up the phone and talk to him every day. You know, we kind of lost touch when he was gone and he would come back and we would work together. Um, the last couple of years, some other guys have taken some of John's matches, but pr predominantly, I think you would probably say if you went back and made a count, I've had probably 90, 95%. Wow. Well, obviously, yeah, and, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I just, you know, and hey, I enjoyed every minute of it. I loved watching his growth. I learned, I learned from our audience that, uh, you know, there were, you can't wrestle chance to John. But then right behind it, you would have <laughs> 3,000 3, little kids screaming, Cena, 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 with those little squeaky voices, you know, who didn't care that John was not Ricky Steamboat or Shawn Michaels in that ring. They did what they did care about is he looked apart. He took time to let him in to his matches and, and uh, let the emotion that he was trying to convey to those kids and the example he was trying to set for them, you know, they were getting it. And uh, you got to look at that. It's funny how you could take six or seven adult voices chanting, you can't wrestle, and they seem to dominate. <laughs> 
the thousands that are saying other things. And we're back with a super chat. Anakin JMT, thank you for the super chat, says, How bad is the premiere rating for WWE Backstage? 49,000 viewers. What was the what were the two specials? What were the ratings for the two specials? 597,426,000. What were the lead-ins for those two specials? I believe SmackDown or was I, it baseball like, or something? I feel like it was SmackDown in the World Series. The World Series. And what was the lead-in for yesterday? Oh, you don't I know? don't know. Okay, bull okay. riding or something. Yeah, that that makes a difference. That makes I wasn't a big difference. Hanging around, but yeah. So I don't get FS1, so I'm not able to watch this stuff. But I did see a video of Big Poppy uh, that had the WWF belt on his shoulder, and he was at the stadium after a World Series game, which means that obviously they did a tie-in that week, and so that's gonna you're gonna get a big rating out of that. So. I don't know enough about FS1 to know how good or bad that is. I don't know what their average viewers are for FS1. Uh, do you know any of that stuff, Sean? I mean, obviously SmackDown, and I guess this ties into uh, one of the topics on my list. SmackDown did 888,000 viewers on FS1. Everybody was had their up, uh, ar- up in arms, and oh my God, this is such a, such a horrible number. And then what did they do? They go back to uh, Fox the next week, and they did 2.543 million viewers, which is pretty good. So... FS1 numbers, I guess, I'd like to know what their averages are. Maybe uh, you can do some research on that and, and you know, tell me about that. doesn't sound like yeah, a good I'll, number. I'll look at it, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a good number, but maybe compared to their averages, it's not, uh, it's not that horrible. Yeah. You know? So let's talk about the NXT invasion. So I think the one positive that came out of SmackDown last Friday with this whole, uh, you know, mechanical failure in Saudi Arabia was that WWE was forced to bring in NXT talent in order to fill out the show, and it ended up being really good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, my, my favorite thing, and I actually, it's very often that I will like laugh out loud from, from something. I laughed out loud when Shawn Michaels took off his jacket. That was freaking, I thought that was serious. Did you see that? Yes, when, it was uh, hilarious. It was I, my, one of my favorite parts of the show. I laughed out loud. If anybody missed it, Daniel Bryan challenges Triple H to a fight. Triple H is backpedaling, saying, I didn't bring my gear. Sean's standing next to him. Sean takes off his jacket. He's only got a tank top on underneath. Takes off his jacket. Daniel Bryan looks at him, and then Sean puts it back on, and he goes, oh, it's cold. Yes. And I, I loved, loved it. it. And, uh, and and the match, Bryan and Cole, I thought was great. I didn't think Bryan came off bad at all because no, uh, Cole's the NXT champion. I thought that worked it really well. What I like about this invasion, because we've seen these invasions so often with Raw versus SmackDown going to Survivor Series, what I loved about this one is that, to me as a wrestling fan, it's hard to get into the Raw versus SmackDown dynamic when the talent's been on both brands so often. Like, yeah. that makes it very difficult. And especially because the draft just happened. Can you imagine if they had Charlotte out there in a red T-shirt, you know, yeah. bat- battling somebody in a blue T-shirt when she was just on SmackDown? It's very hard to get into it. But in this situation, because these guys have always been on NXT, it reminds me of 96 with the ECW invasion on Raw. That's what it reminds me of. And uh, I'm digging it so far. Yeah. Becky, Becky Lynch, Shayna Baszler, I thought that was great. Oh, that was a great face-off. Really liked it. I, I kind of almost wish it was a one-on-one match instead of a triple threat with Bailey, but uh, I thought that was really good. Uh, I'm really curious to see what they do with Matt Riddle because there's so much stuff they could do with Matt. He's such a good athlete, and he's got the history talking about Goldberg and Brock and everything, so that's kind of cool. I like what they're doing so far. It definitely looks like they're teasing like an OC Undisputed Era thing. Looks yeah. like it. But uh, I'm digging it, man. So far, I'm digging it. And uh, 
if they're smart, so we're doing this uh, uh, on November 6th today, which is uh, uh, Wednesday night, NXT on USA tonight. If they don't have WWE talent tonight in the building, they are completely off the mark on this. Because they need to. They need to have guys do a run-in and try to bring that audience over to NXT. Uh, If they don't, they're definitely uh, missing the mark. So we'll see what happens. Yep, uh, Rob says, going to any StarCast events, Moxley, JR, or StarCast? I'm not going. Uh, Jeremy Lambert will be there, though. Anakin JMT says, SRS versus J- uh, JV arm wrestling contest. Who wins? I think Jimmy might have me. I can't really use my hands very well. I got the uh, weight advantage. I can put my weight into it. Are, do you? How much do you weigh? About 195. Okay, you do a little yeah. bit. I'll be damned. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So let's talk about AEW. So Dynamite is tonight. Full Gear is this weekend. Uh, they have a lot of stuff planned for tonight. Hamman Page and uh, Kenny Omega against Jericho, Sammy Guevara. Uh, a number one contender match. Private Party against Dark Order versus uh, Jack Evans and Angelico. Trent Beretta against Pac, which should be a showcase match for Pac. I know they call him Pac now. That should be a showcase match for him, I imagine. And uh, Riho and Shanna against Emi Sakura and Jamie Hayter. That should be interesting. Now, I want to ask you about Full Gear. Because there was one criticism that I saw come up on social media a lot about Full Gear. And that was the fact that prior to today, all of the announced matches, except for one, which is uh, Britt Baker and and Bia Priestley, all of the announced matches prior to today were being the elite guys. Yeah, and, and so one of the criticisms that I that I saw a lot on social media was they're focusing too much on the being the elite guys, focusing too much on the being the elite guys. Do you think that's a necessary criticism or a fair criticism, or do you think that it's just guys looking to hate on AEW? I think it's people looking to hate on AEW. Those yep. guys are the most popular guys. They are the most over guys. They are the most visible guys. Um, I don't have a problem with it, and. I mean, I, I saw it in our own Facebook group. Go ahead, guys. Uh, give, give that a little like, a little <clears throat> subscribe, whatever whatever you got to do to join our Facebook discussion group, uh, Fightful Pro Wrestling. But there was a guy that said, oh, well, if WWE went into a pay-per-view with four matches advertised, people would complain. And I was like, they did last month. Right. Three matches. And yeah. until like the day, day before. And now AEW's got six uh before their go home show like you i don't i don't think you can complain too much about having six matches advertised before the go home show yeah they, they just announced today uh november 6 riho versus emi sakura for the aew women's title which that should be those two know each other very well they've wrestled in japan many times so uh i'm sure it'll be uh it'll be a pretty decent match all right let's move on and talk about uh one more thing about aew that i want to ask you about so Right around the same time this past week that Nick Jackson was answering messages from people on Twitter about a potential partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he said that a potential partnership has, quote, zero chance of happening. And that's what Nick Jackson said on Twitter. Right around that same time, New Japan announced that Chris Jericho is going to face Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, at night two of Wrestle Kingdom 14. I think that the date of their match is January 5th. What do you think? Because it sure still seems like, you know, Jericho's still involved with New Japan. Omega's not. He's been working DDT matches in Japan. But Jericho's still involved with New Japan. It still seems like, you know, the seeds are kind of planted there a little bit. What do you think about that? Well, you, you heard, I don't know if you heard Tony Khan basically say, like, one good deed deserves another type of thing recently. But th- there are a lot of questions because, I mean, the New Japan USA thing threw a big wrench in everything. They mm-hmm. have planned New Japan USA for a while 
for a while. And I mean, the Twitter, the Twitter account for them was started in like March and just went like incognito. And that was before MSG. I'll tell you what, Jimmy, it makes a whole lot of sense why Ring of Honor and New Japan didn't offer those dual contracts that would have kept all those guys. Yeah. Because it doesn't look like New Japan wanted anything to do with Ring of Honor anymore. Looked like they were ready to sever those ties. And maybe that's why. Because they felt like they could do it well enough themselves. I think a lot of it depends on how well or not well a New Japan does. The tour does. Yeah. And it it became pretty clear that AEW isn't as gung-ho about doing that partnership as, as they once were. But here's the thing. You do have five EVPs plus Tony Khan. They could all say different things. It's it's hard it's hard to say. And you know what? Who knows? I mean, they they recognize that Omega has a name in Japan. They know that Jericho has a name in Japan. The Bucks have names in Japan. They have people on the roster like Riho and Emi Sakura. Maybe they're thinking we're going to do our own show in Japan. Yeah, they might be thinking I mean, that. You know, I mean, look at look at how things are right now. Nick Jackson, he's the one that said it, right? Yeah. He's worked four matches this year. Yeah. And he's not hurt. No. He's not hurt. But they're, they're, they're not working a ton. Obviously, they're getting a lot of pay for their EVP thing and mm-hmm. all that. But th- there's – I think it's like four matches. Maybe it's five. I don't know. They did a lot but, of – they did like some AAA stuff and whatnot too. So Yeah, yeah okay, you're right. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's not working nearly as much. Um, sorry, it's it's been a lot more than that. I don't know why I said five, but it, they're they're working. Sorry, I meant to say they're working like four or five times a month. Yeah, and that's right. That's that's like that's wild for me to think. Two of the most active guys that were on the independent circuit forever, yeah, uh, not working that often. Maybe that's by design. Maybe they're they're trying to do that, and they don't necessarily want to step it up. But there's plenty of time to do it. But yeah, the the time is is very very important. Uh, like the timing is is crucial to something like this. I don't think there's zero percent chance. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I don't think so either. All right, awesome, Nigel. Let's go to stupid people. Sounds good. Stupid people is what this segment's called. You might wonder why we do it. It's not about wrestling at all. Used to be WWE's weekly usage of stupid nicknames, which we did hoping they'd stop giving wrestlers lame names. But it didn't work, so we gave up. In the new segment, we came up with this stupid people, stupid people, stupid people. Duh. All right, after this, go to The List Goes On uh, on FightfulSelect.com where we're going to have more stuff for you. We're going to talk about Randy Orton's new contract because uh, Sean's been working on additional information for that as we do this podcast. And we're going to have stuff uh, on List Goes On for that. We're going to talk about WWE's financials. We're going to talk about Alexa Bliss, uh, NWA Power, MLW. Might even talk about Scarlett Bordeaux a little bit. We'll see uh, how I feel about that one. So uh, this first one, this was posted on Twitter by Tariq Nasheed. And uh, do you know who that is, Nigel? Oh, I'm very familiar with okay. Tariq Nasheed. So normally I avoid stories for stupid people about young people, about teenagers or whatever. And the reason that I normally avoid those is because teenagers do stupid things. 
This one I decided to include because I think these people should have been old enough to know how ridiculous this was and how dumb it was. That's why I'm including it. So there's a couple of teenage girls in downtown L.A., and they came under fire for their choice of Halloween costume this year. Any idea what these two girls decided to uh, do for a Halloween it's costume? always Halloween. They always do some dumb <laughs> shit at yeah. Halloween, man. Yeah. Do you know, have any idea? No. So these girls, apparently they are of white Hispanic heritage. And they, oh thought, they thought it would be hilarious to dress up as members of the Ku Klux Klan. We have a video that Tariq Nasheed posted. Put up a clip of that video, uh, Nigel. There's no way you can be that stupid. You had to be trying to do, you had to know the reaction. I want to know what I, they no were. There's no way they couldn't have known that that reaction was coming. Exactly, because they're they're not four. Like they they're they're old enough to understand what the hell they're doing. They're lucky they didn't get their asses kicked. So we we didn't play the entire video. They ended up leaving the the area. Uh, and aside from being you know kind of verbally crapped on, people uh, at least in the video didn't follow them, didn't hit them, didn't do anything. But you, they're old enough to know that's ridiculous. Like that's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? So yeah. even though I tend to stay away from uh, young people of this, I had to throw that one in because that was just unbelievable. This next one, this was reported by the British Medical Journal on October 25. This is good. So there's a, a 48-year-old man out of Sydney, Australia, and he was referred to doctors at Westmead Hospital in Sydney after complaining about headaches. All right, He had consistent, regular headaches. Uh, they performed a CAT scan. What did they determine, Sean? There was a cat in his head. It's a cat scan. He could have done better than that. It's the I best mean, you could do. You you asked me if Rusev stood up and sang a catchphrase. Yeah, I did. In a talent meeting. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, okay. What they determined. So 18 years ago, right, this man went to prison. Uh, and when he went to prison, his girlfriend gave him a balloon filled with marijuana, you know, to give him a little something to – to you know, have in prison, the guy decided to smuggle it by sticking it up his right nostril, and then when he inhaled, it went up higher into his nasal cavity, uh, and he somehow trained his brain to believe that he swallowed it, and so he forgot about it. And for 18 years, he had a balloon of marijuana stuck up in his nasal cavity. <laughs> when they did the CAT scan, they spotted it. And so they were able to go up there and remove it. And miraculously, the headaches disappeared, Sean. I got to say, stretching your weed out for 18 years is impressive. Like, usually by then you're, you're working with sticks and stems and stuff like that. So How do hey. you not know that thing is up there for 18? How do you not know? So the, I'll uh, just Homer say. Thing with the crayon in the brain. The crayon in the brain. Yeah. I'll just say. Exactly. Cheers. <laughs> for your cat scan, buddy. Ah, that's cute. That's cute. Did you see? Did you see the video of my cat that I posted on Twitter? Mm -mm. He was drinking water out of the sink while the sink the, the water was running down over his head, and he was completely oblivious. So your I put cat it, likes my shoes. Yeah, I remember. I remember. He was questioning what the hell was going on there. This uh, this last one. This is for the SRS file. This was posted on Twitter by Clara uh, Soberg on November third. 
Uh, wait till you see this one, man. So there's some idiot in Scotland <laughs> that decided to record himself on video doing a prank, presumably for attention, because why else would you do it? So he recorded himself doing a prank for attention. Any idea what the prank was? No. He decided to put fireworks in his butt crack and let another guy light him up. Nigel, put up the video. I've got it. I've got really? it. Really? I've got it. Really? It's okay. I've got it. I've got it. Kelvin, that's what I fucking scar your ass. I did it. Oh my god. It's burned up your back. Your t shirt's, uh, your t -shirt's wrecked. <laughs> He yeah. is, he's lucky he didn't suffer serious burns. He's not Goldberg uh, in that uh, situation. And and he's also lucky because it slipped out of his butt, cack, butt crack right before it exploded. His butt cack. <laughs> <laughs> it could have gone a lot worse for him, man. Oh, could have. So let's go from the stupid people segment to kind of a stupid person in the story. Let's talk about Joey Mercury. Uh you can tell the story, Sean. I know you've talked to Joey Mercury. He sounds to me like he's a little bit off his rocker. Can, can I tell the story? Because I'm not sure that I can. There's an awful lot going on there. He's tell, not happy. Yeah, tell what you know. Well, there, there have been plenty of issues with <clears throat> ROH GM Greg Gilliland, who refused to comment to us mm -hmm. uh, respectfully. But between him and Joey Mercury, and Joey Mercury's had his enemies in the company and around the company as well, in the dojo. But... I, I want to say that it, it was a very Leo Rush's situation where there there were people that were against them, but then they kind of diverted the attention to something else and things that actually made sense. Like I've heard for a long time, Ring of Honor doesn't want to update their production. They don't want to change stuff. They don't scale venues. They don't have concussion protocol. I reached out to them about their concussion protocol. He posted a screenshot of Kelly Klein. Keep in mind their champion asking for $24,000 a year and being turned down. Yeah. Their television, like she's on TV all the time, their world champion asked for twenty four grand, and they're like, ah, better not. All right, then. Now you wonder why the women of honor divisions are the reason, in the shape it's in? Yeah. Uh, but Joey did not pull any punches. The, the best I can do is tell you guys to read exactly what he said to me because I do not want to misconstrue any of that man's words. I put it in there unedited in the article. All you got to do is uh, type in Joey Mercury in Fightful and it'll pop up. So where he lost me, and, and Sean and I spoke about this off the air, where Joey Mercury lost me as far as being able to defend him against uh, these accusations and, and all of his complaints about Ring of Honor was when, I'm sorry, what's the general manager's name again? Greg Gilliland. Greg Gilliland. So Greg Gilliland accused Joey Mercury of being high at shows and stuff like that. And where Joey Mercury lost me is when he basically acknowledged that was true, but he tried to use as his excuse, yeah, I'm on a lot of drugs, but they're prescription. And he yeah. said that. And when he said that, he completely lost me. And and it's impossible for me to defend him if he's so out to lunch that he thinks that's a valid excuse. Obviously, Joey Mercury's got some problems. And, yes. uh, and I hope he's able to get some help for those problems. But uh, he's not doing himself any favors. If you're WWE, if you're AEW, if you're looking for a new producer, if you're looking for somebody for, for your training center, why would you hire this guy? The way that he's acting and when he's clearly showing that he's got these issues – 
So uh, I hope he gets help, but uh, he's not doing himself any favors in the wrestling world. I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah, that, that, that wasn't a great one. I mean, he a lot of his complaints are rooted in just a truth, quite frankly. Now, here's the thing. There can be people that have their, their share of issues, like Joey Mercury clearly did, and still tell the truth about a lot of other stories. And from everything I'm hearing, it wasn't off. Like, I I got direct information from him or, or, or his thread, and I would ask people in Ring of Honor, and they would give me information that didn't match up the right way because I would go to a wrestler, like I went to Shane Taylor. I had somebody in ROH say, oh, well, he's negotiating a three-year deal. I went straight to Shane Taylor, and I was like, what, what's the deal? And he's like, I'm not negotiating a three-year deal right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, so, oh, man, there, there's a, there was a lot going on there. And I reached out to Joey, and he, he hey, he'll, he'll say what he needs to say. You know what? Last month I did my quarterly Q&A for Fightful Select. And somebody asked a question. I forget exactly how they worded it, but it was basically about who do you think is uh, best off or something between MLW, Impact Wrestling, and Ring of Honor. It was something like that. And my answer, which might have surprised some people, was I think Ring of Honor is by far the worst off of those three. And a lot of people will say, well, what do you mean? They're funded by Sinclair Broadcasting. They have like this billion-dollar entity behind them. The reason I think Ring of Honor is in a, is in a, a bad spot is because MLW's owner is a lifelong wrestling fan, and this is his focus. And Court Bauer is going to do whatever the hell he has to do to keep MLW alive. Impact yeah. Wrestling, Anthem Sports needs Impact Wrestling as programming for the Fight Network. Uh, that's why and they, Access now. And Access TV now, too. Yeah, that's why they bought Impact when Impact was bleeding money. Uh, and that's why they've continued to fund it. Impact Wrestling's not making any money, but Anthem Sports continues to fund it to keep it alive because they need the programming. Ring of Honor is the is the uh, the exception. Sinclair and I went back and looked at press releases when they did the acquisition. Sinclair themselves said this is not our regular business. This is not something we normally do. Uh, we saw an opportunity. We decided, you know what? Instead of having to license programming for our shows or for our stations, we'll have our own show that we can have on our stations. Sinclair does not need Ring of Honor. And, and if they ever get to a situation where Ring of Honor is not turning them significant profit, I think they will not think twice about selling Ring of Honor off. I don't think they'll think yeah. twice about it. And so that's why, for me, Ring of Honor is in the toughest spot. If they continue down this path where their budget is so tight that they don't want to give a girl twenty four grand a year, uh, it will not shock me if in 2020... They're, they're she, top girl. They're top girl, yeah. It won't shock me if Sean Rossop sends me a text message sometime next year saying, hey, guess what? Ring of Honor is on the, on the, on the block. Yeah. Won't, won't shock me at all if that happens. And that's unfortunate. They were so hot, but uh, they lost a lot of talent. And to me, the problem started at Madison Square Garden when they started going with this kind of goofy storyline stuff because that wasn't what Ring of Honor was about before. Ring of Honor before was about a quality in-ring pop product and clean finishes. That's what they were about. At Ring of, at Madison Square Garden was their opportunity to show their fan base, yeah, we lost some of this talent, but we're ready for that post-Young you know, young Bucks era. And then what did they do? They had Enzo and Cass and the beautiful people and all this bullshit that people that their fan base did not want to see. They're in a tough spot, man. They are. That's just kind of how yeah. it is. I agree. Yep. That's all I got for you. So uh, list goes on. Uh, again, we're going to talk about Randy Orton. Go to FightfulSelect.com. We're going to talk about Randy Orton's new situation. Got some, got some backstage news on that one, fellas. There go you go. Go over there and subscribe.
Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, uh, WWE's financials, Alexa Bliss, NWA. Might talk about Scarlett Bordeaux if I feel like it. And uh, going to talk about Impact Wrestling a little bit too. Go subscribe. Leave a thumbs up, guys. Uh, we have the Wednesday Night Wars podcast tonight. Uh, Anakin JMT sends the last super chat. Would Jimmy Van buy ROH if it goes up for sale? You told us this on the Q&A. You'd do it and you'd flip the library. Yes. I what, what I said was I have zero interest in running a wrestling promotion. If I had the chance to get it for a decent price, I'd flip the library to WWE because they can monetize it. They have the, the current talent. They have the network. Uh, I'd flip it to them. I would not buy and, it to run it. And that's that's almost like an oxymoron because why wouldn't they just go direct to WWE? Which they so. probably would unless there's yeah. some kind of hard feelings. They probably would. Thank you guys so much. Subscribe to Fightful Select. Uh, we're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcast, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.